This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 40 of Using the Whole Whale. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this week we are doing a, a second shot at love with bot traffic. That's not actually the title. Could be, though. We're talking with Dr. Augustin Fu uh, because of the amount of just recent news that we've been reading about, you know, the increase in uh, bot traffic, especially around advertising. When people are paying for low-cost advertising, they're actually just paying for bots. As a primer, before we jump into the interview, uh, we talk about a particular metric, bounce rate, um, which is something that you can find in your Google Analytics, which measures web traffic. But bounce rate means the percent of people that just go to one page of your site and then immediately leave. Super important that you understand that because the indicator there is they didn't find what they were looking for. One note about bounce rate is that it doesn't matter how long you spend on that one page based on the way Google Analytics is set up out of the box. So you could spend one second or one minute. If you only go to that one page, then you're going to count as a bounce. There are ways to change this in your advanced configuration, but that's a podcast for another time. For now, let's jump into the interview with Dr. Augustin Fu. Welcome back, uh, Dr. Augustin Fu. Thank you for joining us again. We just, I don't think we can get enough of you. How's it going? Great. Thanks, George. Great to be back on with you. Yeah, so I'll start this off by just asking, you know, what's keeping you up at night? Um, you know, it's spots. Um, so we're seeing a lot of coverage, um, especially this year, where the not only the industry trade associations, but uh, there's more and more people, you know, actually being quoted in in the news. Uh, like for example, uh, Kellogg, and uh, you know, they were quoted in that recent Bloomberg Business article. So they're taking steps and they're proud of it. So you know, it's all it's all good. But uh, you know, bots and digital ad fraud are still what I research and what keeps me up at night. Yeah, and that's why you're. That's why I brought you back on here because I think there's a lot of you know confusion and obviously fear around this idea of when we do spend money. Like, you're kidding me. We're going to spend and just get taken advantage of online. Is this every platform? Are we just like doomed if we're spending on Facebook or Twitter or you know banner ads? What are we talking about when we talk about ad fraud in terms of venues? Yeah, I would say it's it's typically the smaller sites that belong to very large programmatic ad networks, and basically, you know, some of those terms may may be foreign uh, to folks. So, programmatic ad networks are the ones that uh, bring together tens of thousands of small websites, if not hundreds of thousands of small websites, and they place ads across all of them programmatically, meaning they use algorithms to do that. And when you start to get into these really um, quote-unquote long-tail websites, which are very tiny in and of themselves, um, very few people are actually going to go visit them or check them out before they're led into these uh, programmatic ad networks. So when you have hundreds and thousands of these uh, small websites that are carrying ads uh, and they're all being done programmatically, that opens the door to fraud. And the fraud that we're talking about, you know, we, I, I mentioned bots before, 
the fraud is basically committed by the bots. So the bots are browsers that are programmed to go to websites. And when they go to the website and cause the web page to load, they're also causing the ads to load. So when you're an advertiser and you're paying on simply the number of ad impressions served, right, like cost per thousand, so you're buying millions and millions of ad impressions, then when those ad impressions are being caused by the bots, then those are ad impressions that you don't want to pay for and, you know, if you knew about it, right? So that's what I mean by fraud and it's being caused by bots and it's actually being made easier by the rise of uh, programmatic ad networks. So I would say in those cases, that's where you find a greater incidence of fraud uh, versus uh, some of the more mainstream properties like on Google.com or in Facebook or on YouTube. And really the main reason for that is the bad guys don't have a way to get the money out, right? When the ad is shown on Facebook, Facebook makes the money. So, you know, pretty much in those kind of walled gardens, it's usually a lot cleaner than when you go into these uh, really long tail websites and you're placing ads on places that you don't know about. So ironically, Facebook's greed in this case is protecting us. Thank thank you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, some of those walled gardens are actually better. Uh, yeah. it, well, I mean, if your objective is to show your ads to humans, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, if in certain cases when the requirement is simply to get more ad impressions, you know, no matter where you get it and get it uh, more cheaply, that's what's led to a lot of these things because these uh, programmatic ad networks um, are able to sell the uh, traffic and ad impressions extremely inexpensively. Right again, it's covered by the Bloomberg Business Week uh, article. Yeah, let's talk uh, about that actually some more here. The, yeah. the title of the article was "Marketers Thought the Web Would Allow Perfectly Targeted Ads." Hasn't worked out that way. That came out September 2015. Uh, yeah, very featured recent. Some, featured some scary things. You know, yeah. uh, the, they start off by talking about Heineken and the fact that 80% of like uh, like a 150 million dollar range type of budget just poof. That's yeah. nuts. How does that happen? Well, I mean, it, it's it's very scary to think that that is even possible, but it's because uh, a lot of these advertisers have brought what I call the uh, TV mentality into digital. So in TV, it was absolutely true that when you increase the reach and frequency, you're going to actually increase the business results, right? Because you're getting your ad in front of more people uh, more often, and so when they see it and they become aware of it, you are going to drive sales. In digital, it's really much more of a performance medium, right? So it's not a, so much about the quantity that you put out there. It's actually more important that you figure out the quality, right, and getting your ad in front of humans as opposed to these automated browsers called bots. So in digital, you know, one of the main uh, kind of theses of the thesis of the article is that oh, it's it's even calling into question. Uh, the whole promise of digital, right? Like you said, digital was supposed to be this, you know, uh, medium that you could use to target very well uh, and see the results immediately. But it hasn't. It seems to not have lived up to its promise. But I think uh, obviously it still could if people use it in the right way, right? So instead of just asking for more reach and frequency, more ad impressions, how many billions of ad impressions can you buy for us, right? It's really, are those ad impressions or are those advertising tactics actually working in digital? 
So really, when I say, is it actually working, um, you know, there are things beyond the number of impressions served or the number of clicks you got. Uh, there are other KPIs that are actually better for measuring whether it worked or not. And so the obvious examples would be, did you make a sale or not? And maybe translating that into the nonprofit world, it's going to be, you know, did you get a pledge or, you know, did the visitor actually make a donation, right? Those are things that the nonprofits care about. Or did the person sign up for uh, some kind of event or something like that, right? If those things are not happening, right, then... You have a couple of those examples, uh, right, where the the game, though, really is that, look, it's really sexy to say we had 100,000 people, well, sessions, come to our website last month, right? That just looks good. Yes. But if you actually are getting after things like, you know, pledges, donations, things like that... Can you share some of the you know things and experience that you you yeah. had recently with that? Yeah, so not anything specifically, but I can just tell you that uh, there were cases where um, you know literally sixty percent. So I, I'll share two cases. Um, one was sixty percent of the traffic to one particular website uh, was fake, and the way we uh, could tell was that when we cut that off, literally by blacklisting some websites, you know that were showing the ads and sending the traffic, uh, we saw absolutely no change to the number of pledges that we got on that website. So, you know, if you look at the uh, just the traffic coming to the website without asking the, you know, one question more, which is, did it actually drive conversions or, in this case, pledges, then, yet yeah, you're right. You know, like, a lot of people have been historically just reporting on traffic. Oh, yeah, we got this many people, and when we increased uh, ad spending, we got more people. But unfortunately, those were not necessarily people that came to your website, right? So again, it goes back to something I said on the last podcast that we did together. Uh, you know, bots don't make donations, right? Bots don't convert. So there are some specific uh, measures or uh, KPIs, uh, key performance indicators uh, that you should be looking at that pertain to what humans would actually do that bots have no incentive to do. So, you know, in that in the second case, uh, we saw exactly the same thing. So when we cut out a very large proportion of the traffic, uh, we didn't see any um, change to the number of conversion events that we that we had on the website. So we started by looking at the analytics. So, again, it's not something that would cost people a lot of money. Right. So a lot of these nonprofits could literally if they had, uh, you know, Omniture, Web Trends or Google Analytics installed, uh, they can look there and start to look at uh, the traffic sources that have 100% bounce rates or zero time on site, right? Something's wrong with that. And when you start to see those domains that are sending that kind of uh, very low-quality traffic, then you can tell your ad-serving partners or your ad networks to blacklist them, i.e. don't serve ads on them. So, you know, those are things that you can actually see readily uh, in your own analytics. And those are steps that, um, you know, nonprofits can take right away. You know, and that's kind of like the low hanging fruit that they can do first before they get into more sophisticated measurement techniques. So as traffic becomes cheaper and cheaper, let's say, you know, the board members are like, we we want a website that is getting, you know, a quarter million people, like how much would that cost me if I just didn't care at all to spend it? <laughs> so, you know, these days, uh, again, you know, citing a lot of different sources and 
the most recent one being the Bloomberg article, um, you know, you can buy traffic for five cents a thousand, you know, a thousand hits. So it's so inexpensive because it is practically free to generate for the bad guys. So they're more than happy to sell it to you for extremely low cost. So, you know, it literally goes back to the uh, idiom, you get what you pay for. And so if you don't care if it's human or not and you just need to hit to a website, uh, bad guys can generate as much of it as you want. Right. And that includes visits to the websites, clicks on whatever you need clicked on. Right. And so for some of these, um, you know, clients that I've seen, even if they make uh, the metrics, uh, things like visiting a particular page, executing a zip code search or watching a video, all of those things, because it's involving just a click, any of these automated browsers, i.e. bots, can do all of those things. Right. So, you know, imagine a scenario. What if uh, the visits were fake? And what if the clicks were fake? The bigger issue there is that uh, all of the analytics that you have been looking at are also completely messed up. Because if all the clicks are fake and created by these bots, then you're optimizing for the wrong things, right? You might be thinking that, oh, yeah, I'm optimizing for the source that gives us the most clicks. But unfortunately, because those clicks are also fake, you know, then you're optimizing for towards the wrong things. So a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, if the uh, you know people realize that those could be faked, then they'll be a little bit more vigilant in looking for other metrics like the donations or like the things that bots have no incentive to fake. Yeah, tracking the actual user behavior. Correct. Um, the Report that is cited by the uh, the Association of National Advertisers, uh, the Bot Baseline Fraud and Digital Advertising, they claim that it's going to cost advertisers six point three billion this year. I yeah, mean, I don't know. I guess at that point it's like where why why point three and not like point seven? But that's a lot <laughs> yeah. of money, right? Like that's a big huge number, right? That's very scary, and it is very scary. But you know those are kind of industry average numbers and if you look more closely at that report it'll say that uh, display ad impressions i.e. banner ads have about an 11% bot rate or fraud rate and then video ads have doubled that at about 23% right so about a quarter of the video ad impressions are fake now given that that is an industry report uh you could probably imagine that it is conservative Right. But bottom line is, you know, the numbers could be all over the place. Right. In my research, I've seen it as high as 99 percent, 100 percent bots. And I've seen other cases where it's zero to one percent bots. So all of these kind of industry numbers are generalizations and they should be treated as such. What really matters is the bots and the fraud rate that's impacting your media buy or that's coming to your website. So really, the the key takeaway from that is that yeah, those numbers are big and huge and scary. But what matters is if you know what's impacting you. So the the key takeaway is to actually go measure it, right? So if you don't know, you know, taking those generalized numbers is really not going to help you, right? It doesn't tell you what to go do about it, right? But what you should do is actually measure the rate of bots that are coming to your websites. Measure the rate of fraud that's impacting your media buys, right? So some of these nonprofits have relatively large media budgets to, uh, you know, generate traffic and things like that. So, you know, if, again, a large percentage of that is fake, i.e. shown to bots and not to humans, you know, all of that's going down the drain, 
So they could do a lot better with those dollars if they're able to measure the bots and start cutting off those websites that are sending the bots. Right. So, you know, those are industry numbers. You know, it gives us a good kind of benchmark to look at. But again, you know, big, scary numbers don't help if you're not actually measuring it for yourself and then being able to take action on it. Yeah, this obviously comes back down to measuring what matters and making sure that the people that are at the the management and senior levels are not just pushing for total impressions because be careful what you ask for. You know, $12 later, you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of bots coming to your website. Yeah, or 50 cents later times a lot, right? So, uh, yeah, it could be very, very cheap. So, you know, it's really important for them to, to measure it for themselves. But, you know, we're talking about... Like I guess the two of us are pretty familiar with the types of different advertising out there, but like who on earth is buying banner ads and like junky video ads? Like literally Safari is going to come out with like a built-in pop-up blocker yeah. and banner ad blocker. Like it's, I mean, it's archaic. Well, you know, again, because they come to the digital, me- they, they, you know, think of the digital tactics with a TV-like mentality of reach and frequency, then more is better, right? And they think, oh, well, if I'm able to serve up 10 billion banner ads, somebody's got to see them, right? So they still have hope that it might have some kind of branding effect. But again, you know, you you probably know, you know, the, the uh, there's a lot of pop-up blockers and, you know, the estimates of the number of people using that, um, you know, are, you know, range again between 9% and 60%. So again, those are big, huge numbers. But you know, again, if you're measuring for whether the visitor that came to your website did anything, uh, then you can actually very rationally approach all forms of digital media, right? So some banner ads are still useful, right? If you have something that needs awareness, uh, banner ads are great, right? Uh, or video ads, again, those are for awareness. Or mobile display, mobile banner ads are also good, right? If you need awareness. But there's other forms of media in the in the digital space like search marketing where it's much more targeted in the sense that that ad shows up when a person is searching for something, right? And the ad is based on the keyword that the person is typing in. So if the companies are not using that as well, right, they're probably missing out. So I would say each company should look at what their needs are, right? If their need is awareness, then some of these display ads and video ads, uh, those forms of media are good at getting the word out. But if they need to harvest leads, then they should be doing things like search optimization or paid search because those um, those ads are shown when uh, the user is looking for something. So again, the right mix is really the key for, for any advertiser. This kind of reminds me of like our housing bubble when you had like overrated junk bonds being thrown together of um, of mortgages, right? You have like yeah. basically just a like, junk in the mix, and they talk about you know bulk buyers, and it, I guess if you don't actually see that one spot you're ending up in, you're buying sort of aggregate. Yeah. One of the tips maybe to like you know go to the source and don't trust and, uh, the sort ac- of aggregate. Yeah, actually look at it. Right. Uh, sometimes if you kind of delegate that responsibility to the media agency and the media agency delegates that responsibility to some anti-fraud vendor, right? pretty much nobody's looking. And that's how all this fraud is still occurring. If someone actually bothered to look. So I get back to the, really the free thing that a lot of these nonprofits can do is go look at your analytics. Right In the analytics, if you go into the um, sources of traffic, 
and you see sources that have 100% bounce rates or uh, zero time on site, and if those are sending tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of visits, then those are the ones that you should cut off right away. And you know, you tell, you add them to a blacklist. You tell your media vendor don't place ads, uh, um, you know, on those sites anymore. Yeah, and so being consistent, looking at going to the source of your ads is a practical tip. Looking at your analytics and just understanding, uh, having goals set up, and making sure the conversion rates are actually there. Like it's just, it's yeah. kind of like the adage of like follow the money, follow the user, yes, or bot. So the interesting things here are that um, it seems like it's it's easy enough if you're paying attention to stay away from from this type of ad fraud. There are action steps uh, to do it, and you know as you as you look uh, towards other types of things and preventive measures, uh, who are the like big actors in the field right now that are like staying on top of this? Well, I would say the industry trade associations are are really um, you know doing a great job uh, educating the market about it. And also taking some steps. So the IAB, Interactive Advertising Bureau, uh, has been very vocal about it and they're taking steps right now to help uh, both the publishers and the advertisers not only become aware, but uh, start taking action against uh, bots and fraud. But I think, um, you know, again, the message is don't leave it up to an industry trade association or somebody else to do it. You really have to do it yourself. Because I think some of these um, topics and issues are so new, right, because uh, programmatic really isn't that old. Uh, and these kinds of fraud that are kind of uh, made easy by programmatic advertising, again, is, is brand new. So everyone is learning as they do it. So, you know, if you pay attention and if you're looking at it, if you're reading about it, um, then you're probably as knowledgeable that, as the next guy. So I think really it's take matters into your own hands. Don't uh, don't delegate or don't think that someone else is taking care of it for you. Yeah, solid advice. So as we uh, move to close here, any any final bits of advice or, or things that you foretell for 2016? Um, I think we're going to see good things. I think that the amount of fraud uh, will continue to be mitigated. So I think... Finally, we're seeing what I'm going to call countervailing forces, right, which is the good guys actually fighting back harder. Uh, it's been so easy for the bad guys to just uh, make off with all the money. Um, now, at least the good guys are putting up a concerted effort. Right? So if you're fighting individually, um, you're not going to be able to do too much. But it's like, let's take care of the low-hanging fruit first. Right? It's just like what we said earlier. You know, Look at your own analytics. There's probably some obvious things in there that if it doesn't look right, it's probably not right, right. So those are things you can take care of right away. But I also see the industry getting together and making a, a, a stronger, coordinated push against fraud. So as these uh, new forms of media continue to grow you know, by leaps and bounds, um, I think that we're going to see good things next year in terms of the amount of fraud being kept under control and hopefully sooner than later uh, start to go back down. So it's really all about you know countervailing forces, and I'm glad to see the the good guys fighting back. But I think that yeah, let's go good guys. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right. So uh, as we move to close, uh, how do people find you? Uh, how do people help you? 
Um, I'm available to to help out. Um, as I said, this is my area of research, so I focus on uh, not only digital marketing, but more recently on the studying of the fraud and how it's committed. So I've helped a lot of clients, including nonprofits, uh, first measure, right? That's really the key thing. Let's see how big of a problem it is and then decide what to go uh, go do. So it's just, you know, my first name dot last name at Gmail. Anyone can reach me. Or if you Google my name, you'll find a lot of the articles and slideshows that I've written in the past that, uh, you know, talks a little bit about how these kinds of fraud are committed and gives examples. Awesome. Well, as always, thanks for joining us and for sharing your knowledge. Great. Thank you very much, George. I love talking with guests that have real-world examples and data that help navigate these waters. The data that Dr. Dustin Thu shared with us is from, you know, like real nonprofits out there uh, that are experiencing uh, this ad fraud traffic. The moral of the story here is be careful what you pay for. If it sounds too good to be true, it, it absolutely is. You always have to be asking, what do the data say? And you're really just looking for human behavior, right? What looks like it's acting like a human versus not? and kind of just be honest with yourself. I had a moment early on in, in the days of this podcast, uh, literally in the first month of launching it, where the way I had built the feed actually for how we distributed the podcast was being hit by bot traffic. And so my numbers were skyrocketing. You know, I was doing like 30,000 downloads every couple of weeks. And I looked at it and I was like, there's just no way my mom is listening to it that many times. Um, I'm kidding, but maybe not. What actually happened was uh, I had to rebuild the feed so that it wasn't going to be triggered by bots so that we got a true look at how many people were in fact listening to the podcast. I believe in looking at the real numbers and not sort of surrounding yourself with a false vanity metric because you now realize how easy it is to just fake that. Look, if you want an extra 100,000 users, you know how to do it, but you're not achieving your mission with it. We're going to have resources for the things that we noted in this podcast, some of the presentations that uh, Dr. Augustine mentioned, uh, as well as some helpful tips in episode 40 in the write-up that you can find on our site. As always, thanks for joining us. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at wholewhale. And thanks for joining us. you're still listening, it probably means you didn't press stop on your podcast. So, since you've gone this far, why not go all the way to iTunes and leave us a review? It would really help us reach a larger audience of nonprofits. We currently have about 2,000 folks listening to us every month, and I love hearing from you. This week's music was brought to you by Greg Thomas Band, and the interlude artist there was Andy G. Cohen with the song Humming and Strumming. Hope you enjoyed it.